The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome back to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. This is episode 23 of season 3. I'm Marty Gold. Uh, there's a few pillars, I think is how it would be put, that uh, form the foundation of what we do here on this podcast. One, of course, the Crime Court's public safety update uh, and stringing together patterns. And there's more patterns we'll be stringing together, particularly as it relates to St. Boniface and other neighborhoods in the next few weeks. Uh, our coverage of City Hall and of getting ahead of issues, uh, and uh, the third pillar, the mainstream media, holding the mainstream media accountable. Well, pillar three fits into pillar two. With $192 million in federal Trudeau on the line, uh, Mayor Gillingham, Scott Gillingham, announced he wants city council to change zoning rules for housing. You have not heard from the mainstream media in Winnipeg out of the gate. Nobody questioned this idea. There was no pushback. There was no uh, testing of the, uh, in particular, uh, of the the concept or the ramifications on our community. Uh, for instance, this would allow housing up to four stories high within 800 meters of transit corridors. It would allow up to four units, four townhouses, to be built on a single lot. So as CTV reported, Gillingham said all would happen without the need for a public hearing or zoning application approved by city council. It's just going to change the rules the way the feds want to increase what they call urban density around rapid transit or transit-oriented uh, uh, transit areas uh, where they call it transit-oriented, but this is really transit-adjacent. You'll hear more about that later in the program. And none of these pesky public hearings, none of these pesky meetings at community committees, not so fast, said Councillor Brian Mays of St. Vital, a friend of this program. Uh, he didn't think it was a very good idea. The city spent years and years meticulously trying to put, to put, put together uh, rules and plans and guidelines, and it's all going to get washed out because all of a sudden there's going to be these overriding, uh, overriding principles to get their hands on the federal money. But uh, Gillingham, uh, his response was, well, it's going to be very gradual. I don't think we should expect to see, you know, fourplexes popping up all over the city immediately. The point is, of course, it's not immediate. The second point is, of course, that it's taking away people's uh, right to have some control over the development in their neighborhood, the nature of the ambiance in their area. You may think it's going to be very gradual, but what isn't gradual is the development of this bylaw, this new bylaw, because Winnipegers found out it's going to be rammed through in three weeks, and they spoke out. For instance, as one pundit put it to a city councillor in a lengthy email, would Ness Avenue be considered a frequent transit corridor? If so, almost all of St. James' Assiniboia would be eligible for four-story complexes. But the important point there's no time prior to vote for councillors, prior to the vote for councillors, to present this issue to their ward residents and obtain their feedback and concerns in a series of community forums. This would be a major change in practice with significant neighborhood impacts less than three weeks from beginning to end. 
Stop right there. I didn't realize that this was being rammed through with that kind of rapidity. But nobody elected Scott Gillingham or anybody else on this council to create a situation where there will be everlasting, overarching destruction of what we understand our neighborhoods are. As was pointed out by Kelly Ryback in his email, councillors voiced frustration with infill being built outside the spirit of the guidelines at the last council meeting. What could happen with future developments without the existing processes? Would there still be an appeal process? Oh, good question. That's not something you should just ram through in three weeks, I would think. Now, he noted the potential impacts to sewer and water, overland flooding, but he had a key question. Would the mayor and councillors want a fourplex built on either side of their house? This uh, uh, goes on and on with other points that are being made, asking the the councillors who received this to uh, put some thought into this and how this impacts things like the Million Tree Pledge, the Thousand Acre Green uh, green Space Pledge, etc., And Ryback also heard on CBC Radio pushing back on this, and good on him. He said that there's a 30% vacancy rate downtown, empty buildings, address it there, which I guess would be retrofits or maybe some teardowns or empty lots. He also pointed out there's 2,000 homes slated for north of Saskatchewan Avenue. And so Gillingham, craving the $192 million from Trudeau, is willing to accept these uh, these strings that are attached in terms of zoning changes that sound great perhaps for other areas, but for Winnipeg would easily sound the destruction. Uh, this is blockbusting, uh, and we've covered that topic before, but this is essentially blockbusting uh, that could go on in, in uh, neighborhoods you care about, neighborhoods you shop in. One neighborhood that is put up with what happens when you already have development rules that aren't being followed, let alone take away the development rules. The people in South Osborne. And right after this break, you'll hear a, uh, part one of my interview with Bev Pike of the South Osborne Residents Group. She'll talk about bait and switch taxes, uh, the uh, mayor raising dishonest, in her opinion, arguments. Their own experience shows that densification is a joke that is injurious to the people that already have properties there. She has a number of tips and made an important point. None of the city's decision makers live next door to new infill. That may be correct. Right after this break, we're going to dive into this topic with Bev Pike. You're listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive. In the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online, thehivehaircompany.com. Because of you, The Great Canadian Talk Show has made headlines for over 15 years and forced important issues to be acknowledged and dealt with. The problem here is that they want everything their own way in every situation. It's unpalatable to the general public, but they're frozen out by the process. There are no subsidies for paying the bills for keeping the government honest. They just see money. Of course, it's your tax dollars, but it's being spent on their pet projects. We're on your side. A lot of these people in special interest groups, they don't bear any relationship to your life out there. 
They don't have any handle on what your reality is in your neighborhood. Support old-fashioned investigative reporting that matters. The best source of information is not the city councilor. It is this program and you listeners. Support TGCTS today. The South Osborne Residents Group is no stranger to City Hall and having to deal with City Hall and feeling cheated by City Hall. In fact, uh, in the earliest iteration of the revival of this podcast, early in our return run, July 29th, I think it was, July 25th of 2022, uh, the headline of that podcast, South Osborne Rep, Next Mayor Must Be Brave and Fire City Planners. the, the premise, the message was that the, the South Osborne was being treated like the north end of the south end, and it had to stop. Uh, transit-oriented development, construction brought nothing but ruinous results, transit-oriented crime, and then the parking authority would pounce on people trying to find parking that had been rapidly disappearing. The construction rules were being broken continually. The streets were being wrecked. The city planners and, and enforcement officials, they all looked the other way. And, of course, Brian Bowman was completely useless when it came to actually caring about what was going on to the people in the South Osborne District. This would be what is more generally referred to uh, on this program as Lord Roberts. Uh, Bev Pike is the coordinator. She was with us back in July of 2022, and she returns to the Great Canadian Talk Show. Uh, Bev, I know that you would have very deep and well-founded concerns if the city having ignored rules and uh, engaged in ruinous activity in your neighborhood, this proposal now that Mayor Gillingham wants to ram through with no public consultation would take away almost all the rules uh, that uh, protect neighborhoods from a chaotic development. Yeah, uh, what I've said before is that it opens the door to even greater corruption when you have existing laws that we do, and the main law that affects residence groups is called our Winnipeg. When you have the city planners and the city council completely ignoring that law that obliges the city to talk to the neighborhood before authorizing development, what we're all worried about is it'll just be a free-for-all for developers to do whatever they want, which they almost do right now. Every once in a while there's a, a law that uh, somebody invokes but residents uh, this is across the city not just in our neighborhood we're very much victims of overdevelopment now, you said in in the podcast with us last year in the interview last year there needs to be a massive rehaul of the planning department uh, because the g- community groups uh, that have dealt with city staff appear at meetings and hearings, and here's the quote from from our from you actually perceive corruption. When we share stories, we see the developer community controls the planners, and what is at the root of the problem is they don't obey city laws. That's right, they don't. In fact, I looked at our website, South Osborne Residents Group, today because we created a web page ten years ago that listed all the laws, bylaw components of our Winnipeg that the city routinely ignores, and we have over 100 infractions. That's as of 10 years ago. Yeah, and you sent me that link, and I'm going to put it in the podcast description. Uh, Now, this, generally speaking, this proposal 
that the city is uh, trying to uh, push through to align with the goals of what is called Ottawa. In other words, federal officials who are more interested in protecting their votes in Toronto, the, G- uh, the, the GVRD, the Vancouver area, the, the, the Toronto uh, area, uh, you know, Montreal, they're concerned about the big places, the big cities. They aren't concerned about those of us here on the, God knows they don't care about us on the, on the lonesome prairie. Um, it's been pointed out that, uh, you know, th- this is a classic case uh, where where NIMBYism is going to be the finger of NIMBYism, that uh, people don't want things in their backyard, and yet the mayor and councillors, I don't think any of them would step forward and say that they wanted that they would want to be in a situation where the houses beside them could be turned into fourplexes. Yes, and we haven't found any councillors, past or present, that have asked for or even lived near any oversized development uh, it's for somewhere else according to them yeah it's always somewhere else uh, now these proposals would evidently by changing the uh, away from single family home requirements and and getting away with variances that w- things could change on a dime in terms of what's going on in our neighborhoods, with no notification, no engagement, and this is being pushed through on a three-week timeline, which is the same timeline that uh, from beginning to end that was used with the transit master plan. And city council spends—I mean, I, I watch these meetings; they're agonizing sometimes. Yes. Uh, as as Kelly Ryback described, they spend more time discussing what kind of gerbil you can own in bylaw and passing a bylaw than they did on the transit master plan. Now they're trying to duplicate this. One thing that I'm personally concerned about, maybe you can address it as it relates to Lord Roberts, for instance, is the effect on drainage when you can put four properties, four residential properties on a lot that previously housed one single family. Well, what we've been seeing since the mega development, now I'm gonna, we've been calling it not transit-oriented development because it doesn't fit those criteria. What we have is the city's biggest infill, which is developer-oriented transit. There never was transit until one of the mayor's friends decided he wanted to make a lot of money from land... um, Land speculation. There's the word. Uh, What I want to say also is that the mayor is being deliberately vague about this federal pressure. Uh, and, and you're speaking, you, just to be clear, because Mayor Bowman is a subject here, but he's the previous mayor. You're talking about Scott Gillingham, the current mayor. I'm talking about Scott Gillingham. He's being deliberately vague uh, and implying all kinds of things without evidence that he uh, sees the federal money as conditional on scrapping what tiny bylaw protection residents have. Uh, a lot of us don't buy that. We smell a rat. All right. Now, you, taught, you sent out a, a note to... Uh, Many councillors today, uh, and media personnel, I, I know one councillor in particular, but many media personnel, to try to educate the woefully inept Winnipeg mainstream media on why these are issues, because they all hop on this, or you know, urban vision. And to me, it seems like that the, the urban vision is to is basically to to uh, to blockbust neighborhoods. Yes, and do you know, uh, Councillor Klein, when he was chair of property and planning development, told me last year, there's 4,000 empty units right now. We don't have to build. So there's some purple Kool-Aid circulating quite a bit, and people believe in 
that philosophy of density. And, and all sorts of empty buildings all around Winnipeg, and it's no secret. You see the, uh, you just go for a drive, folks. Uh, lock your doors, go for a drive at night especially. You know, and, and I mention that because it's startling at night where God knows no city councillor ever drives around this city, unlike Councillor Harvey Smith, uh, Harvey in his day, would would go around and look at what's going on. But when you drive around at night, you see all these storefronts that aren't lit up. And 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 it's not just, you know, in broad daylight it has one presentation, but at night you see how, how, how many empty storefronts, empty spaces, empty buildings, empty units there are that could be filled. And instead there's this um, urge to what, what uh, Councillor Matt Allard and the other urban so-called urban visionaries call densify neighborhoods. And you, you told the media today the bait-and-switch of densification is, uh, is a, a related ploy to, to how new developments, new housing is being sold, but that it's, it's a, it's, it's a bait-and-switch because it, doesn't stro- it has not stopped urban sprawl here. We have gigantic new suburbs, as you explain, and life in a, life in a high-rise uh, is different than life in a bungalow, and those are two different kinds of buyers, perhaps at two different stages of life. Yes, exactly, just as you say. Yes, uh, what we see is all kinds of shenanigans, and I've been part of several uh, citywide residence groups, and we all say the same thing. It's really, really hard to fight this level of corruption, especially when your own councillor won't represent their voters. Now, Councillor Rollins, I mentioned at the beginning of the, the earlier segment in this, uh, of this episode, uh, Sherry Rollins, of course, she's, uh, she's all for it. Uh, has she ever to this day actually returned your calls or had a meeting with you? No. To this day, through an election, through an election, because you told us in July of 2022 she had never responded to you, and she continues to portray herself as representing the interests of the neighborhood, but doesn't meet with the residence group? No, and Jenny Jabasi, her predecessor, was just the same. Jenny Gerbassi, well, there's a name that's uh, certainly part of the annals of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. She once... Uh, she once hectored council uh, for a number of councillors, uh, presumably Berwadi that was there at the time, our coverage of the fiasco of bike lanes in her own ward, her pet project, the Assiniboine bike lane uh, that ended up being heavily audited and condemned. And she used the term to describe what we did on Kick FM as a, like a right-wing talk show. And when you don't have right-wing talk shows, you end up with a situation where city councillors like Gerbassi in her day and those following, think that it's reasonable to ram through legislation that will change your ability to have a say in what goes on with your neighboring properties around your neighborhood because what happened with the Cinnaboyan bike lane? Gerbassi wanted it rammed through because there was federal money and it cost the city more money to fix the mistakes, the engineering mistakes, the curbs that buses got stuck on and all the rest of the nonsense that went on back in 2010 cost the city more money to fix it than they got from the feds. But, you know, that's how it is when you have politicians that think like prostitutes. Bev Pike had a lot more to say right after this break. We'll pick up on it. You're listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. Actionline.ca. Let's get right down to business. Our launch event exclusive interview with Andrew Marquez of Gem Equities. It looked like we were off to a good start. Then from there on, it was just jumping through hoops. The man 
who beat the city of Winnipeg in court, was awarded $5 million and counting. They try to interfere with his development. And then we just realized this was essentially a game. Here, Andrew Marquez tell his story. This planner had a meeting with Councillor Orlico, and Councillor Orlico said, slow down the plan, basically stop it. On ActionLine.ca. Back with more of our interview with Bev Pike of the South Osborne Residents Association. Uh, you know, they've meticulously tracked how uh, their neighborhood has been marginalized, has been disrespected. Uh, listen, when your city councillors don't talk to you for years and years, uh, and, and that's a substantial part of the tax base, this is what happens when councillors uh, around Winnipeg decide that they can become reelected regardless of whether they have proper and good relations with the different neighbourhoods and different neighbourhood associations. We see that here in, in St. Boniface where Matt Allard runs roughshod over the St. Boniface Hospital neighbourhood district and won't dare show his face to answer questions because he can get elected because of the votes in suburbia and other neighborhoods uh, who uh, wouldn't put up with the kind of crime, the kind of changes to infrastructure, the threats to our business district that are going on here. But Allard is in his head, made the equation, he can get away with it. Sherry Rollins, Jenny Gerbassi, uh, before her, making the, the uh, equation in their head that they don't need certain neighborhoods, certain businesses, certain residents in order to hold political power and push through this urban visionary, these dreams they have that are absolutely ruinous to the quality of life. Again, do, would any of them live next door to fourplexes? The answer, hell no. Uh, you'll hear the conclusion right now. My interview with Bev Pike, she talks a little more about the nature of corruption, the influence peddling that goes on. Uh, and uh, has a stark warning for all you Winnipeggers, especially in relation to this peculiarly, irresponsibly short timeline for Winnipeggers to understand how these changes to the uh, zoning bylaws, how it could adversely affect your property, your interests, and the quality of life in your neighborhood. Here's more with Bev Pike. Uh, Councillor Wyatt uh, certainly has a few comments about the legacy that Jenny Gerbassi has left that Rollins seems to be carrying on. Uh, Rollins, of course, hiding behind the concept of of so-called affordable housing. Um, And uh, this, again, what is this definition of affordable? Now, more importantly, if I can um, look more broadly for a minute at the, the implications of of this concept, this idea that's been put forward that they're going to uh, change the, the zoning regulations so that uh, more housing can be put on on existing lots uh, and uh, and setting aside the potential for overland flooding, it demands on par- on on street parking um, by eliminating parking minimums for the actual residential units. But these transit corridors that they're talking about. This would mean, for instance, uh, Ness. That Ness could be uh, uh, considered a transit corridor, end up considered a transit corridor, and by the time they're done, almost all of St. James' Assiniboia would be eligible for four-story complexes. Uh, it would be 800 meters on both sides of Portage Avenue. In the case of uh, where I am, in St. Boniface here, Dollard and Goulet, uh, no, not Dollard rather, but Goulet and Marion, Dollard Boulevard, could end up with like these single-family homes uh, and and all the side streets near the St. Bonham's Hospital, they could all be faced with having four, fourplexes, uh, multiple properties, and this would effectively bust the neighborhood. Because these are single... In, in a lot of cases, just to explain to the audience, there's a lot, a lot of older families, 
um, families selling their homes to families, and this is the French Quarter. And this could completely devastate the character of this neighborhood, as well as ruin the business district, which they're already well on their way to with the plan for uh, for the so-called uh, so-called moving on Marion, the bike lanes, and the elimination of the 99 parking spots. The businesses here are already facing stress, and a plan like this would devastate the businesses in the neighborhood, in my opinion. And I want to go back to your question about sewage. Uh, for the last decade, we have seen sewage backups near this biggest infill in Winnipeg's history, precisely because the system is 100 years old. Can, can you describe which which area you're talking about for my listeners, please? Uh, it's the old rail yards in Lord Roberts. It's now called the um, Section 1 of the Transit Way, I believe. So by Jubilee Station? Yeah, that's part of it. And they're putting 10,000 people, no, 5,000 people there in new condos, and that'll be 10,000 cars that are already taking up our streets. The sewage is a huge problem. Uh, but Developers don't care about that. And Sherry Rollins doesn't care about that either? We haven't heard. Yes. When was the last time you tried to arrange a meeting with her? <laughs> uh, we've tried so many times. Uh, we... Have you tried since her re-election? No. Offhand? Well, maybe we should, yeah. On this issue, maybe you should, I suppose, because I think everybody who's concerned about this, and again, it, there may be valid, I want to be clear to the audience, there may be some validity to this, although, again, this comes across like a plan that's great for Toronto, Montreal, uh, and, and, uh, and, and Vancouver, but not as good of an idea for a place like Winnipeg, where we have what's called mature neighborhoods, uh, and, and, um, uh, if if Osborne were to be designated a transit way, just if you folks want to can visualize this, you come through the underpass. If it's designated a, tra a transit way, you have all that housing down Walker, down Morley, down Rosedale, all those streets up there, and they would also be subject to these kinds of um, not needing variances and this so-called densification because they have they harbor this illusion that if people live within 800 meters, which I believe is somewhere close to a half a mile, within a, tr a transit station, people are going to think it's a good idea uh, to, uh, and it's safe at various uh, various times of the day or night times of year, to walk to and from taking a, uh, taking a, tra a transit line uh, express, um, and that they would migrate away from what they call mode shift, that uh, they would migrate away from private vehicles. I I. I don't understand why the why the city is pretending that there's such a rush that <laughs> residents groups shouldn't be consulted on this and that people shouldn't be allowed to understand the impact that this can have on their quality of life. Yeah, again, I, the mayor's vagueness and the emotional um, blackmail that he's applying in this case really are, that's, the two things are really alarming. The other thing I want to point out, which is really obvious to all of us, is the difference between these cities you've mentioned where this plan is supposed to take place, is we have winter. So if you're a single mom and you have two preschoolers without a car, you're going to walk to, in 40 below, to your nearest transit way? No, you're going to find a way to get a car. But that's all, That this is the thinking of all the urban visionaries. They're, they're, they... The, this crowbarring, you know, this goes back to this, you know, the this debates about um, about issues of climate change and mitigation, all these other things. But ultimately, there's a reason why Canada burns a lot of fossil fuels. Why Canada has a higher footprint? We freeze up here. Yes, it's very cold in the winter. 
So why are there no allowances made for the people of Winnipeg that 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 are in a key transportation hub that maintain this city that mean that, that is the Keystone Province, right? Between connecting east and west and up the I twenty nine international trade coming through this this port, and yet we don't we aren't accorded any allowance. We're supposed to suffer to fulfill our role in the economy when we're in the in a frozen wasteland. And I say that from a fam- from a family that my ancestors came from a com- tremendously frozen wasteland somewhere near Chernobyl in Russia. Like th- this is to me is nuts. This idea that, as you said, s- never mind single mothers, any parents. Yes, yes. Or you have to take your cat to the vet. You're gonna walk in forty below to the transit line. Well, this goes to what I said about the about the the bike lanes on Marion and Gouley. Nobody's riding a bike to the hair salon. Nobody's riding a bike to pick up. Uh, to to pick up spices, they aren't riding a bike to go meet with the ba- with the Scotia Bank. This is just a lot of these plans are 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 basically a, they run contrary to people being able to lead a day to day life as we understand it. Yeah, and it it's dependent upon ruining all the mature areas and using our infrastructure, our old sewer canals, and so on. For developer profit. That's all it's about. And how do the politicians profit from it? Oh, well, Harvey Smith, Councillor Smith, told me that. He said uh, the mayor, this is Mayor Cates now he was talking about, but I'm sure it's the tactic all mayors use. When they want to push forward an unpleasant motion, they go individually to each councillor and offer them a perk. He can get them an appointment that they want. He can get them the chair position on a prestigious committee if they want. And it worked. The the emotional blackmail you talk about as we, we run a, towards concluding the interview, uh, the bait-and-switch tactics, you, tactics you'll hear from the city, your list, includes, we need, quote, we need housing for the million people who will live here soon. Uh, that seems like uh, a non like, like, not that just seems nonsensical because I believe there's already a plan for now. Now, I, I, again, I have to step back. The city's saying they want to put in a, an extra fifteen thousand units on top of the bills that are planned, which would be fifteen hundred a year, about one hundred and fifty a month. I don't know where the tradespeople are supposed to come from for this. <laughs> Good point. Uh, well, hey, well, you know, a lot of people don't think about the sewer and water issues. They don't think about the drainage, but they don't think about like on a practical basis where these are skilled trades this isn't uh you know this isn't laborers chipping at rocks well that's what we've seen we've seen people guys caulking at 40 below caulking foundations too well that yeah and that's nuts never mind nuts it's dishonest it's dishonest for a builder to do that yes yes here in St. Boniface, there is no residence association. Uh, that's how they were able to ramp through a bike lane plan without no telling the business, first of all, without telling the businesses involved in the biz, without talking with anybody, and without even talking with the hospital. Continuing the city, continually, the city makes decisions without talking with organizations like the hospitals or the WRHA or the residence associations. Is this going to come to a head, do you think, that there's going to be a tipping point and councillors are going to learn who signs their paychecks? people by offering them that purple Kool-Aid of, well, we need identification, we need all to be urbanists, and we need affordable housing, but none of that is actually 
So none of the counselors, the mayor, never affected by any of these decisions. I know Councillor Mays is opposed to this. He's certainly seen uh, the neighborhood off of De Muron, the effects of, of ramming properties onto small lots and, and what kind of cascading problems occur. Uh, so Mays is on one side at, at EPC. When this comes up for a vote, he'll be opposing it. Rollins, of course, uh, with her vi- urban vision, uh, is going to support it. Gillingham, you say, continues to be evasive. Um, could this lead to a flight of of how do I put this? This could this lead to sort of a a, a donut syndrome where people are going to start abandoning abandoning neighborhoods because they see what's coming in terms of their sunlight being being knocked out and and uh, traffic jams on ease, on simple residential corners in a lot of these older neighborhoods. We're seeing that all over town. Yeah, you're right. Bev Pike. Uh, I, I and you actually did mention previously that there were a lot of people that, that because of, pro, of what was going on in Lord Roberts and damage to their foundation, especially uh, that people were generations had been in in that South Osborne area and had uh, pulled up stakes and uh, and abandoned ships, so to speak, in the last couple of years. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bev, any any parting words for our audience, those who listen to this, who who don't find what they've heard very favorable in terms of their best interests. Bombard City Council with your concerns uh, for what it's worth. It feels better to do something than to do nothing. if, and if they want to protect their property value in particular, because this could, I mean, this can affect property values. I think there's, there, I just see there's going to be a lot of speculation and, and people that are holdouts end up getting, like I say, blockbusted what Lloyd Axworthy did on Langside with his grand vision for the University of Winnipeg, where they squeezed people out by, by saying, well, we're just going to build beside you and goodbye sunlight and goodbye any light in your backyard. Yeah, and they're all urban visionaries, and they're all they're all worry about the planet and the human condition. <laughs> More purple Kool Aid. More purple Kool Aid. Well, we don't swill that stuff around here. Beth Pike, I appreciate you taking the time from your day to speak with us again. I'm going to keep obviously. I'm going to be on this case. I'm going to be on this file and keep an eye on on these developments. And uh, I, I look forward to the next series of missives from your organization, which always are very sharp. And very to the point, and certainly must make some city councillors that they have a conscience feel uncomfortable. And those that don't have a conscience, I guess, will continue to think that they can avoid meeting with residence groups such as yours. Isn't that something? Uh, it's I'm awful. To talk with you. I'm glad you're on the job. Thank you so much, Bev. We'll talk to you again in the future. That was Bev Pike of the South Osborne Residence Group. I'll be back to wrap up this episode of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast right after this break. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com, join the Facebook group, or follow us on Twitter at tgcts. You have the power. Back for a quick wrap-up of this uh, episode, the interview with Bev Pike, the concerns raised uh, based on her experiences in South Osborne. Uh, and it's obvious, so whether it's St. James, uh, uh, St. Boniface, uh, Osborne, uh, the minute you have any of these major streets designated traffic corridor, that is going to trigger a an avalanche. Uh, at some point, it'll trigger an avalanche. It might just be a trickle at first of applications. The next thing you know, you're going to end up with neighborhoods with no single-family homes. 
with no homes with backyards, with no ambiance, uh, but instead four-story buildings, uh, uh, fourplexes, uh, all over uh, properties that physically, uh, between the properties, the layouts of the property, is going to create a lot of havoc and create a lot of problems for people's foundations, for um, for drainage in particular. They've learned that. Brian may suppose this because he's seen what happens in his neighborhood. And other councillors maybe don't don't care, but he does, which is good on him. Uh, and certainly there's some jockeying in the back in terms of where councillors are going to land. Council Rollins, uh, a champion of this because we need housing. And uh, Councillor Luke's apparently coming back early from a trip to make the EPC meeting. That's the first hurdle is the EPC meeting on the 14th of November. It would then move on from EPC to council as a whole. Uh, we'll see where uh, some of the other councillors, in, uh, in particular Councillor Schreier, Orlico, uh, this could be very bad for Orlico, for River Heights, and for Gary in some ways. Um, uh, certainly for uh, Councillor Schreier. Uh, it, it, the, the devil's in the details, as, as uh, Al Golden frequently said. But this one to be rushed through in three weeks, it just stinks. It stinks. It's not why you elected this mayor. It's not why you elected this council. Uh, the transit master plan was blown through in three weeks. And the next thing you know, you're going to have situations where instead of people being able to get on a bus at the mall and ride it all the way to downtown, they're going to have to transfer and, you know, 30, 40 below. Oh, don't worry. The bus will be there in five minutes. And you're going to be standing at the corner of, you know, like McGregor and Leela or something. Nobody wants to stand outside waiting for buses any more than they want to. But again, your city councillors, they aren't taking the bus at night. They aren't riding the routes in some of these neighborhoods. They aren't the ones going to be living next door to some of these, uh, some of these uh, developments, fourplexes and such things. And so the time to be active, the time to raise your voice is now and let your councillors know. You may think these are good ideas. You can tell a councillor, this is a good idea, but you're rushing it. It's going too fast. We need better analysis. You have to come back into the community and talk with us in the community. Talk to the people that are going to be affected and answer their questions. What is this going to mean for the neighborhood around the St. Boniface Hospital? Is Dollard Boulevard, all those uh, the single-family homes, there's a few small apartment buildings, those all going to get knocked down, and you're going to have, on the way to the hospital, you know, the way to the hospital, Dollard Boulevard, the area around, uh, around Leverandre Park, it's quiet and serene for a reason. People walk out of a hospital. Uh, sometimes they're leaving work. A lot of time they're leaving, you know, there might have been a birth. A lot of time the situation is not as happy of why they're going, why they're leaving. And so the atmosphere on the hospital isn't uh, uh, brutalist, not brutalist architecture, unforgiving. There's a sense of neighborhood here. You, you notice when people walk by what they're carrying. And if it's a, you know, a, a, a baby seat and a carriage, or if it's flowers, or if they're crying, you see it from the, the workers coming off shift as well. This idea of creating a, a just row upon row upon row of oversized housing because it's within four streets of Marion and Goulet. And this is somehow going to convince everybody that, that uh, they don't want their own independent vehicle and they, they can rely on the state to provide that kind of transportation and make it a desirable thing. Some people may say, well, parts sound nice, but we're not buying it. And this lack of consultation, how is that going to affect? This will blockbust, in my estimation, Goulet and Marion to get rid of those businesses, to have those properties collapse, the business collapse because of additional construction, and then they're scooped up, and all of a sudden, it's just a long, unforgiving wind tunnel. 
This might work in other cities. Might work in Toronto. Might work in Montreal. Might work in Vancouver. I don't give a shit what Justin Trudeau's trying to do to bribe and blackmail city councillors. This kind of const- overall construction plan is not meant for Winnipeg, is not good for Winnipeg, and is not good for our neighbors and the people that live in... The- you want to watch St. Boniface change from being a French Quarter? Start uh, taking action that that is going to cause people to flee and is going to abandon those single those beautiful single-family homes on Jeanne d'Arc, on Alno, uh, on, on uh, other streets in this... Na- in just this neighborhood is one example, and I haven't even talked about the other side of... Uh, of St. Boniface on the uh, north, on the south side, rather, of Marion, uh, such as Horace uh, and uh, Kitson and those other streets. This has far-ranging impacts that will negatively affect the quality of life for a lot of people in a lot of neighbors. There might be some neighbors this is ideal to revitalize them. But that needs to be discussed and not rammed through in three weeks. So, I'm encouraging you, contact the mayor's office. Contact your city councillor. Contact people who aren't your city councillor, who you think have a head screwed on their shoulders about what's fair and what isn't. Evan Duncan's a newcomer. Uh, Jason Trier's been there for a while. Sean Dobson's been on and off. Ask them what they think and tell them what you think. And if you think, not so fast. Let's give the councillors a chance to take this back in the field. Let's have this explained with charts what this could mean to the distribution of housing. And the, the idea of your house being surrounded on two sides by something four stories long, we've seen this kind, again, it's a form of blockbusting. It intimidates people into selling. It leads to rampant speculation. And you've heard from Bev Pike, even in South Osborne, Lord Roberts, when they have rules, the rules are regularly ignored and never enforced. Follow the money. It's not just about the ribbon cuttings. And I'm encouraging you all, get involved on this issue. You don't have to know the ins and outs of it. Just ask the councillors. What about Lord Roberts? This has gone. This whole transit-oriented development has gone, gone backwards in Lord Roberts. How do we know it's not going to go backwards here? Sherry Rollins couldn't have told you it's good. She hasn't talked with the people who are being affected for years. I'd say it's four and a half years, five years that Sherry Rollins apparently has not talked with this group. Is that how councillors think that they should be running their operations, their neighborhoods? Oh, we're not going to talk with the actual residents. Association. And I understand residents associations, they can be NIMBY and pain in the ass, but as, as Bev pointed out, don't let them call you a NIMBY. This is your property value. This is the health of your neighborhood. This is emotional blackmail. Never accept insults like NIMBY, and as she pointed out, in other cities, residents' associations have first and last say over local developments. And above all, when some city councilor tells you, oh, this is a great idea, you ask them, do you live next door to infill housing? Would you live next door to four plexes on either side? Just put the brakes down. Just because Trudeau wants something doesn't mean it's good for all of us. We've seen why that lands uh, in other situations. And uh, so I want to try to shed some light on this. We'll continue to cover this story. Uh, MartyGoldLive at gmail.com for news tips, uh, comments, questions, uh, interact transfers. You can help support this program in a variety of ways, including by sponsorship. Please, please, please step forward now. Nobody else in the Winnipeg media is going to address these issues. None of them are going to give an honest airing to the grievances and concerns and, 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 and justifiable uh, concerns in terms of those that have had experience in dealing with City Hall. They are going to give it short shrift. Because the urban visionaries 
hyperpopulate the Winnipeg newsrooms and the halls of academia. Everything's great in theory and they never have to suffer the consequences. You, your children, your neighborhood, your church, your community center, yours will. So call your city councilor, call other city councilors, call Mayor Gillingham. Let him know what you think. And if you agree with me that they need to put the brakes on it, not try to ramp something through in three weeks. What's the rush, Scott? What's the rush, Sherry? The feds are going to pull the offer off the table? What other strings are attached to it? Somebody has to speak, speak up for the citizens of Winnipeg. And that is the role we have here on the on, on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, but in particular on actionline.ca as we will be filing other stories, reports, uh, augmented with this kind of audio content uh, over the course of the next few weeks and months to make sure that you know what's going on in your city, to make sure that you know what's going on in your community, to make sure you know what they're trying to do at City Hall, to make sure that always, you, as always, you know that over here, there's one person that is always going to tell all the big shots, tell the media, tell anybody that will listen, uh-uh-uh. Top down, not so fast. In our Winnipeg, you have the power. Thanks for listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com or follow him on Twitter at tgcts. I-